Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision. This is your host, Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit leaders and organizations primarily in the areas of board excellence, strategy, and organizational development. I want to welcome everybody back to the podcast. We have really been hitting it hard on the podcast lately. Lots of episodes out there. So if you haven't checked out any of our past episodes, I encourage you to do so. We have a lot of great content out there. And I'm especially excited about today's episode. So today I want to welcome to the podcast Carol Hamilton. Uh, Carol is the principal of Grace Social Sector Consulting. And we're going to be talking today about a topic that I think we've all had to learn more about and all had to refine our skills in uh, over the past several months. And that's effective online facilitation. So Carol, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate you making time for us today. Carol, tell us a little bit about your background and, and your work in the nonprofit community, because I know you have a, a really interesting and varied background. Yeah, so I've been in the sector for most of my career and um, in organizations for much of it and, and gone out on my own uh, with a, my consulting practice in the last couple of years. And that's been a culmination of something that uh, has kind of woven through my work in terms of um, as I worked inside organizations, becoming more and more interested in, in kind of what makes organizations tick, why do people do the things that they do, how do, why do group, some groups work better than others, and um, over, over time stumbled into uh, the field that you mentioned, organization development, and, and that's kind of what brought me to the work that I do now around strategy and innovation consulting with, with nonprofits. And Carol, we're going to be talking today about effective online facilitation. So I imagine that you are, your practice is a lot like mine in that in pre-COVID times, you and I were probably in lots of conference rooms and breakout workshops, and we're used to the flip charts and the markers and the highlighters and the little dots and all of the things that go along with bringing people together who are physically in the same space. Talk to us a little bit about... Um, the transition that you've seen organizations make to having to do a lot of those things online with effective online facilitation. Yeah. So certainly I used to, I used to say, you know, flip chart and markers, post-it notes will travel. Um, and now we're doing that all from our uh, home offices. Uh, some people in, you know, make do offices on a dining room table or the living room or some small corner of, of your house that you can find to do work from home. And um, it seems to be that, that organizations have done a great job in, in making that shift since it was so sudden. Uh, and I think a lot of people are seeing um, what they didn't realize was possible before. Um, I, having worked for a couple of associations, I ran a couple learning departments and helped them uh, develop online learning programs starting in the and did my first online conference in 2004 so been doing this for a fair amount of time but it was always um there was a little bit for 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 most a lot of folks uh folks didn't realize how much you could achieve in a remote setting and and working together over video conferencing and of course obviously the technology has gotten a lot better over the years so this happened to hit when uh, if this had hit 15 years ago, this might look very different, but um, there's a lot of stuff that's there that, that makes it much easier for people than it might have been in the past. And I want to get into the technology just a little bit in, in a few minutes, but I think one of the things that I've found with organizations, and, and 
I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback on this, is that it seems like we have finally had a realization of a broadening of our understanding of facilitation. So, you know, in the past, when I would talk to organizations who would be looking for a facilitator, it was for a strategic planning retreat or for a board retreat. But now, as nonprofit leaders are having their staff meetings online, their board meetings online, it really is bringing the need to develop facilitation skills and techniques to all nonprofit leaders, not just those consultants and other practitioners like you and I. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that it's necessary to reserve uh, having a good meeting to be once a year when someone skilled designs it and puts it together for you. I mean, it, it's, uh, it's one of those skills that, you know, most professionals need and that they will either be a meeting participant or be leading meetings. And, um, you know, the, the sad truth is that, uh, a, a lot of bad meetings happen to people. And so they think that the, the meeting is the problem when it's really, how do you design it? Are you helping people come into a productive conversation? Do you have, do you have a goal defined of what you're trying to achieve in bringing the particular group together? I mean, there are a lot of basics that whether you're doing it online or in person, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people miss because they were never taught. It, it's just assumed that you kind of know how to do it. Um, and, it, and it's a particular skill that people certainly can develop. And I think that's an important point is to come into every meeting, whether it's in person or whether it's online, but particularly online with a goal in mind. Why is this, this particular group, whether it's a board, whether it's a staff, whether it's a team, why is this particular group coming together on this day and at this time? And I think that's the, that's the first building block to an effective online meeting, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, really being clear about what your goal is and then checking in at the end uh, to see, you know, how far did we get? Did we achieve what we were trying to achieve? And then I think the other piece that so often people miss is that, um, you know, wrapping it up and making sure that it's not just, okay, see you on the next Zoom call, but is everyone clear about what their next steps are, um, you know, what the expectations are, whether or not there were decisions made. Some people may walk away from the meeting thinking, oh, we've made a decision and I'm gonna go start working on that. And other people may think, oh, we're still in the brainstorming stage. And so I'll just, I'll just put that on hold. So being really clear about um, where you get to at the end of the meeting is, is, a, is important. And in an online space, um, I think it becomes even more important because you're dealing with, um, you know, you. you you're dealing with the possibility of distractions of you know our how how attentive are people are people really um, in the engaged in the conversation and uh, it also just takes a little bit longer you have to kind of build in a little more lag time for people to respond to questions have time to think um, they might be watching in the video like who's going to actually jump in not wanting to talk over someone um, so there you have to allow a little more time uh, when you're thinking about what you're trying to achieve in a meeting when you're doing it online. I think that's been one of the recommendations I've made to organizations as well is to think really critically about what's most important in this meeting and, and let go of some of the other things. You know, if you were able to achieve or able to, able to hit on five or six major points in a normal board meeting, maybe streamline that cut that back to three or four to give people time to feel comfortable in that online space and to promote discussion rather than just reporting at people. 
Right, right. Which, you know, whether you're in person or online is, is, is never the best way to, to do a meeting. And, and, it, and if that's the purpose, uh, if you get to that point and you get to that purpose of, well, I need to do a lot of reports, you may want to think that's, that's when it's, well, could this meeting be an email? Um, yeah, but I think in, in the online space, just having a conversation, talking about those staff meetings or board meetings, having conversations with people about, um, you know, what, are your, what, what, what group norms do they want to um, agree to that may be a little bit different than uh, an in-person, or maybe you've never had that conversation and this provides you an opportunity to really dig into how you wanna show up for your meetings, um, what expectations do you have, um, you know, inviting people to do a simple thing like just take a minute at the beginning of the meeting and take a beat and ask people to just, uh, you know, close out their under other windows, turn off notifications, so that you're really inviting people in to be focused and um, really in the meeting. Carol, as you know, you know, the opening of a meeting, particularly online, is, is critically important to set the tone. What are some of the most effective techniques or things that you've seen out there for leaders to, to really grab people's attention at the outset of an online meeting? Yeah, I think it, 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 um, it's, you know, slowing down again and um, making, making sure that you're taking time for connection before you're jumping in to the content of your agenda. So whether it's a check-in and allowing people to just, you know, it may be a simple question of just, you know, what's one word you want to say to describe how you're feeling or what's one thing that you need to talk about so that, you know, so that you let it go and you can really focus on this meeting. Um, another thing that I've been doing with, with, uh, with when I start meetings is actually encouraging people to stand up and to stretch because they've probably been at their computer way too long and then we're asking them to be at their computer for another hour or something just taking a moment to actually help them like remember that they've got a body uh, and that they you know should move a little bit another fun thing that you can do um, that's not really possible when everyone comes to a to a meeting let's say they you know come to a conference room at a um, board meeting is to just invite everyone is that connection piece to um, find a, an object in their space that's meaning, meaningful to them and just share it with the group. So I see some things behind you and you know, there might be, it's like, well, what is that helmet uh, standing, sitting behind you on that um, bookcase? And, and you might tell a story about why you've got it and what's the, what's the meaning to you. And so just different ways. And, that, and that's a fun thing because it's not something that would be possible in your kind of traditional face-to-face -face meeting. And I know having facilitated, you know, recently a lot of board retreats and staff retreats online, I think people are looking for that personal connection. I think that, you know, I think as a, as a community, we're all missing that ability to be in the same space with one another. And so I found groups and teams really craving that type of um, interaction, that type of connection with their fellow board members or staff members. And it was always good practice when we were doing it in person, you know, always good practice to take a little bit of time at the beginning to help people just, you know, ground and check in and then to do a checkout at the end to have those bookends of the meeting. But I think, yeah, as you say, it's even more important um, now that people are in uh, social isolation. Um, and, and, you know, just another thing that I've, I've heard um, others say is uh, a norm of sorry, not sorry. Like, you know, okay to be raggedy. That, that there, you know, that I think there's the, the, before the pandemic, 
the idea that someone's cat or kid might run behind you on a Zoom call yes. and uh, in a, if you're working from home was really, you know, a faux pas where now everyone acknowledges like we are dealing with all of it. Working parents, um, you know, different family members, maybe you're all in the same space. So uh, there's kind of more um, acknowledgement of that whole person and the, the realities that people are dealing with. From a facilitation standpoint, I think one of the most challenging issues, and it's challenging for professionals as well, is um, managing the dialogue and contributions of others. We all want to promote discussion in different sessions, and we want to give people an opportunity to speak. One of the challenges of doing it virtually um, is that it can be hard. You don't want to speak over someone. You know, we've all been part of Zoom meetings where three people speak at the same time. I was even watching a, you know, a major network news program last night that had four experts on and they were all talking over one another. So from a facilitation standpoint, if you're facilitating your meeting online, how do you provide space for those to contribute without that awkward, um, sorry of everybody talking over one another? I mean, I think, you know, it's also, uh, I think one, if that does happen, uh, maybe naming it and just asking folks to to, to just pause, but um, also just acknowledging that that may happen and, and it's not the end of the world, right. you know. Um, but one thing that I like to do, especially if you want to hear from everyone, um, is, uh, you know, and, and, and the nice thing on a, on a Zoom meeting or other video calls, often you can see everyone's name. So actually as a facilitator, it's, it's kind of, uh, can be easier than trying to look for someone's um, name badge. Um, but just ask them, you know, once they've shared to then uh, name the next, to kind of tag the next person to talk. So that is not, not a, it does, it takes the facilitator out of it, what might start to feel like almost like a teacher calling on the next person. Um, so it distributes that throughout the group. Uh, so that's one thing that I've done. And, and then I think, you know, I think, um, especially for folks who, who uh, you know, maybe they have larger groups that they're working with, um, not to assume that they always have to have uh, the whole group um, and, and that's the only form that you're, that you're using within the meeting, you know. So, you know, you, one of the things that I like about Zoom is the fact that you can put people in breakout rooms and let them be in smaller groups to um, have conversations. And um, acknowledging that, is, especially if it's a group that doesn't know each other, that at the beginning of that breakout, they're going to they're going to be spending some time introducing themselves to each other. So allowing for that. I, I also like what you said earlier about the group itself developing norms of how they want to interact with each other, because, you know, particularly in a platform like Zoom that has a chat feature, for example, you know, the group may decide we want to use that chat feature to notify the facilitator that we have something to contribute or maybe they don't and then there's other you know the other tools out there the reactions the smiley face the the thumbs up but I think you're right it's an opportunity for the group to define how do they wish to show up how do they want to make their contribution in this meeting yeah so yeah having a conversation about how you're going to use chat um, Oftentimes I'll see, especially in larger groups, that uh, folks who wouldn't necessarily raise their hand and speak up in kind of a, a group discussion may put something in the chat and it may be a very thoughtful uh, contribution. So, um, but, but being clear about how you're going to use that, um, asking people, for example, if you're going to chat something, chat it to everyone, don't just chat it to the facilitator. We want, you know, we want this to be part of the conversation or um, let's not use the chat. 
um, because we want, you know, we want to have, uh, for what maybe there's some reason why it might be distracting. Um, so really just having a conversation about what people's preferences are there. Another thing that I've seen is people starting to use some elementary um, uh, American Sign Language signs okay. of, you know, um, like instead idea. of having to, to um, you know, say you're, you're not, you're muted, uh, which of course people forget is just doing this. Uh, I'm making a, a, a sign where I'm putting my hand by my ear or other verbal signals that people can see on video very quickly that actually can speed things up. And if you, as a group, just agree to use a couple of those, those can, those can help as well. Um, and then another, question, another topic that comes up frequently for nonprofit leaders is capturing decisions. You know, how do we, if particularly if it's a board meeting or if it's a staff meeting where we contemplate making decisions in the online space, what are some of the effective techniques that you've seen to capture either a board vote or a staff vote or um, instances where groups are making decisions that have to be acted upon afterwards? Yeah, I mean, when I'm facilitating one of those kinds of meetings, I'm usually using some tool in conjunction with Zoom or a, another video conference uh, tool. So it might be Google Docs or it might be um, a more visual uh, tool like uh, something called Mural, which is an online whiteboard where you can do brainstorming and have post-it notes and those kinds of things. Um, and, and those have tools built in where you can do you can literally do the dot voting. Um, you know, I've done that kind of thing in Google Docs where I've just, you know, let's say we brainstorm a bunch of different things and we want to narrow. Um, and so, you know, we do the quote, you know, it's like dot voting in the, in the room, but um, just asking people to put a plus sign next to what, what they're, um, you know, what they're most interested in. Um, I mean, I think having some uh, agreements around whether the meeting's going to be recorded um, you know, if it's a board meeting, oftentimes there's someone who's going to be taking notes. Um, but I think also that, that, that notion of slowing down and checking in, um, are people, you know, are pe and this is even not, not online, but I think it's even more so online of, are, are we aware that we're making a decision? Is everyone, uh, does everyone understand which issue we're, we're talking about or which proposal we're, we're focusing on right now? Um, so another tool that I've used a lot, and it's a visual one in this you know, more visual medium, is something called Fist of Five, where you just check in, like, how clear are you on the decision that we're about to make? And, you know, hands up, five would be, like, I'm totally clear, and, and fist is zero, I'm totally not clear, and somewhere in between. And then if you have a lot of zeros, ones, and twos, you probably need to take a little more time before you take the vote or or whatever the form is that the group normally uses to make a decision to have some more discussion. I like so that. Doing, doing those check-ins, I think, um, are even more important because uh, simple things can happen um, in an online space where, you know, if you're using multiple, if you're using uh, documents, do people have access to it? Have they gotten to it? Um, do they understand what part of the agenda we're in? You just have to take more time to do what I call kind of signaling your turns mm -hmm. um, in a way that is a little more intuitive and a little more in, uh, easier to follow in an online, in an in-person space. So just being more mindful of that and, and checking in with people more often to make sure that they're with you. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, even that simple concept, that fist to five, I, I love that just because it's a really visual 
fun, interactive way for, you know, groups to signal, as you said, where they are, or, or what is their level of understanding? What's their level of comfort with moving forward versus do we need to take more time on this? So I, I love that. Another concept I want, I, I'd love to have your feedback on is one that I think is real for all of us, uh, and it's Zoom fatigue. You know, we've all heard this term, Zoom fatigue. I've certainly experienced it. I'm sure you have as well. What are some strategies as a facilitator you can use to fight that Zoom fatigue setting in? Well, I think one of them is just setting some boundaries on how many Zoom meetings you're doing in a day. Um, and then also, you know, for those, those what might have been a, a day-long retreat or a two-day meeting, um, thinking differently about how you might do that, that it, that it doesn't necessarily have to be a one-to-one -one translation from the in-person experience to the online experience. So for example, mm -hmm. um, when I was doing those uh, strategic planning processes, I did several strategic planning processes this, this spring, and the original plan was for it to be an in-person all-day retreat, and I split those up into three-hour segments. So we were never together more than three hours on, the, uh, on Zoom with, with the other things that we were working with. And then of course, taking a good break in the middle um, you know, and, and during the break and, you know, uh, me encouraging them to stand up and, um, turn off their video, walk away from the computer, um, all of those things. So I think, I think being mindful of it and, and just not assuming that you have to be on it all day long. I think one of the things that I've noticed with boards and staffs in, in retreats online is I, I will usually give them a break about every 50 minutes. So in, in any given hour, we will plan on maybe being together for 50 minutes and taking a five to 10 minute break at the end. I, I think that one hour block, there's something about the way we're wired <laughs> as humans that it, it makes us feel better to just sort of stretch our legs, um, refresh, get out of the room. As you said, turn the video off. Um, it's just easier to then come back and focus in those online meetings. Yeah. And I think um, mixing it up also so that, you know, every 15 to 20 minutes, there's some shift um, from the way that you're engaging people or, you know, putting them into breakout rooms, bringing them back, being with different people, just different ways to mix it up so that it's um, not so much of kind of all the same. As a, as a consultant and a facilitator, this is a question that I, I've received frequently from nonprofit leaders is, while we're virtual, is it better to hold off on the plans that I had for facilitating a strategic plan or a board retreat or a staff retreat until we can be back in person? Or is there enough effectiveness in the online environment that we can and should move forward? I wonder how you address that. Well, I certainly am biased because I, I like, I've seen a lot of, um, really productive conversations. Again, if you design the conversation well and you've got the right tools and you've oriented people to the tools, so I think that's the other piece. Um, so, you know, when I was doing those strategic planning processes, um, there were folks who, you know, we used Google Docs in one instance um, in, in conjunction with it. And they, you know, they had, they have, were folks who were, had been out of the workforce. They were volunteers. They'd been out of the workforce for years. and they weren't familiar with any of it. So taking the time to educate everyone who's going to be participating about whatever tools you're going to be using and then having workarounds if they, even with the education, can't get to it. So in those instances, um, you know, whatever they needed to contribute, I just had them either put it in the chat or email it to me and they, then we put it in the document. 
Um, but I think that, yeah, I think there's a fear, like folks are, I feel like thing, folks are coming out of kind of the, the initial paralysis of fear of the uncertainty. I think, I mean, what it does bring to light, of course, is that, you know, um, even when it felt, things felt stable, of course, they were, you really could never predict the future and it's all uncertain anyway. And now we're just way more aware of that. Um, I think groups could work really effectively online. I think, uh, you know, probably doing some kind of scenario, scenario planning is particularly uh, appropriate right now with, with so many variables and so much uncertainty. But I think if you put off planning until you can be in person, I mean, I don't know where, at least where I am, that could be a year from now. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think you can um, just uh, put that off indefinitely. Well, not, um, one final issue to talk about is managing conflict. As a, as a facilitator in an online meeting or a retreat, um, are there specific uh, strategies or techniques that you will use when, you know, there may be conflict in a discussion? Not every, you know, not everyone is going to agree. Not everyone is going to be unanimous. How can you effectively manage uh, conflict within a, within a group discussion online? Yeah. Um, I think that goes back to those group norms. If you've taken the time to set some norms and agreements about how you're going to show up in the meeting, how you're going to be together, how you're going to work as a group, um, you know, when things kind of go awry. I mean, I think it depends also on the group's culture and what do they define as conflict. One group may uh, consider something a lively discussion, then another person might look at that and say, ooh, what's going on there, you know? So um, being mindful of the culture of the group um, and knowing when it really gets into conflict. But then, you know, I think all the, the regular um, processes of managing conflict, of slowing things down, helping people, you know, try to get them to use I statements and, and um, all of those things work. And, you know, it may be taking a break um, and, and then coming back and seeing what you need to do next. Um, Carol, you alluded to this a little earlier, uh, and before we wrap up, I want to get to it. Um, some, of the, some of the technology that's out there. I think we're all familiar with Zoom, and I think it, most people have, have gotten to a level of comfort with how to use that platform. What are some of the other cool um, uh, either sites or tools or other apps that you've used um, that have helped you in online facilitation? Yeah, so I'm always using um, Zoom to bring the group together and facilitate the conversation and then using another tool to um, capture the notes, uh, have people work together. Um, and the simplest that I've used has been uh, Google Docs. Um, some people use Google Slides. Uh, Google also has a, a, a very simple um, kind of whiteboard with sticky notes. Um, called Jamboard, but there are also more sophisticated uh, tools like Mural or Miro that emulate what we would have done in the room with those flip charts and markers and post-it notes and um, getting people up on the wall and uh, you know putting a matrix up or whatever it is. You can you can you can um, they're built to do those similar things online. Um, it 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 but you're doing them outside of Zoom, in, in conjunction with Zoom. Right. And, and helping people understand how to use both of them. It take, you know, just, there's some, I, I've usually used the uh, check-in actually as a way to help them 
uh, give them some tiny assignment that has to do with the first get, you know, relationship builder. Also, it gives them a way to practice whatever tool we're using uh, is a nice way to just check in to make sure that everyone can, can manage it. Carol, I appreciate your time today and the conversation for those who want to get more information, um, either about you and your work um, or about effective online facilitation. How can folks get in touch with you directly? Sure. So gracesocialsectorconsulting.com is my website. And I am running a program right now. Um, and enrollment is open for a September four-week program on effective online facilitation. Um, also recently launched a podcast, so excited about that. Uh, you can find Mission Impact on Apple Podcasts and other podcast uh, delivery methods. Um, so that's that's one week old. So I'm very excited to be the host of that. Congratulations well. from one podcast to another. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to join us today, Carol. All right. Thank you so much for having me. And again, this has been Greg Nielsen of Nielsen Training and Consulting. Uh, encourage all of you, as always, to reach out to me directly. You can get me by email at gregory at nielsenconsults.com or on the web at nielsenconsults.com or on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Always love hearing from uh, listeners. I hope everybody is staying safe and staying well out there, and we'll see you soon.